This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Leaders are urging those affected by the acorn closure to take advantage of the resource page available at NowDecatur.com. It includes unemployment info, job openings, job fairs, retraining programs, social service resources, and much more. Check out all of those resources at our website, NowDecatur.com. Sanctions for Russia, weapons for Ukraine. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. One year to the day after Russian leader Vladimir Putin launched his invasion. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky says Russian murderers must be punished and... We are capable to uh, um, end the Russian aggression this year. Fox's Steve Harrigan's in Kiev. There's real fear, concern that Putin could launch missiles against Ukraine to mark this anniversary. They're calling them revenge missiles. As far as Ukraine's President Zelensky, he has been out and about addressing the troops as well as visiting some wounded troops as well. As for the $2 billion in new American assistance. Much of that aid in artillery as well as drones. Artillery has been very effective on the battlefield to push the Russians back. And those drones, especially the kamikaze drones that drop from the sky, have been effective as well. Almost two-thirds of Americans in a new Fox News poll support the U.S. continuing to send money and weapons to Ukraine. House Republicans held a hearing into the record surge of illegal immigration in Yuma, Arizona last night. Democrats were no-shows, calling it a political stunt. Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan said if... Democrats were here and saw what we're seeing, maybe we'd have a chance at ending this crisis and actually securing our southern border. We got to see a portion of the border wall that essentially cuts off into nothingness. In that Yuma sector, there were more than 310,000 illegal crossings last year. That's the highest number ever reported in the sector and almost triple that of 2021. Fox's Alexandria Hoff. Americans did more shopping last month. Consumer spending rose 1.8%, but in Inflation also rose in a key gauge. The Federal Reserve monitors prices increased month over month and the year over year inflation rate also went up. Hundreds of thousands of homes remain without power or heat in frigid Michigan after an ice storm. Snow, a problem in the mountains around Southern California. A lot of snow. There's going to be more blizzard like conditions. East in the Antelope Valley where the forecast calls for seven to eight feet of snow potentially this weekend. America's listening to Fox News. There's one box that you'd run back into your burning house to grab. It's the box filled with your videotapes, film reels, and photos. Those sentimental, meaningful, irreplaceable moments. Hi, I'm Nick Mako. And I'm Adam Baselogger. We started Legacy Box over a decade ago so that we could help families save their memories from being destroyed by floods or fires. And it's not just natural disasters, Adam. Every day, videotapes and photos are slowly fading away, decaying, neglected in closets and attics. Digitizing your old media stops fading, and preserving those recordings means they are safe forever. It's like magic converting your shoebox of memories into digital files ready to watch and share. It's the only way to ensure your legacy is safe for generations. That's why over a million families have already trusted Legacy Box. Legacy Box is simple and easy, it works, and is safe. We'd love to preserve your family's collection. Don't wait. The risk is too great. Visit LegacyBox.com slash now to save 50%. That's LegacyBox.com slash now to get started and save. LegacyBox.com slash now. Is President Biden going to run for re-election? He has hinted at it, but made no formal announcement. Another Democrat isn't waiting for his answer. Marianne Williamson has launched her campaign to potentially challenge the president for the party's nomination. Williamson, a self-help author, also ran in 2020. Several Republicans are also in the 2024 race, and the first debate has been announced in Milwaukee in August. The RNC holding to its recent tradition of having a debate at the same city where it's going to have its national convention the following year. The debate expected to feature leading candidates like former President Trump and former Ambassador Nikki Haley. But as many as a dozen Republicans may be throwing their hat into the ring, the RNC expected to soon finalize a set of requirements to participate, including a rule calling for each candidate to pledge to support the party's eventual nominee. No pledge, no spot on stage. Till NATO, Fox News. He wasn't in court in New Mexico, but actor Alec Baldwin has filed a response to charges from the deadly shooting on the Rust movie set. 
when he thought he had an unloaded prop gun in his hand and it went off. Producer and actor Alec Baldwin officially entered a not guilty plea to charges of involuntary manslaughter as a result of the fatal shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the set of the film Rust in October of 21. The plea comes a day before the first hearing was to be held in the matter. With the plea, Baldwin waives his right to the hearing, which is now canceled. Baldwin and Rust armorer Hannah Gutierrez-Reed were formally charged by the Santa Fe, New Mexico DA on two counts of involuntary manslaughter. January 31st, he is facing a maximum of 18 months behind bars if found guilty. Michelle Polino, Fox News. Selling is brewing on Wall Street after that inflation update. Dow futures are down more than 300 points now before the opening bell this hour. I'm Dave Anthony. This is Fox News. Finding yourself suddenly unemployed can be a life-changing event, but now Decatur and our community partners are here to help. Now Decatur is offering a resource page for Decatur and Macon residents that include unemployment information, immediate job listings, retraining opportunities, social and emotional resources, and more. The goal is to help you navigate through an event and period that could be emotionally, mentally, and financially stressful for you and your loved ones. Go to NowDecatur.com for the Employment and Retraining Opportunities resource page. Here is Nick Smith with your News Channel 20 Storm Team forecast. Today is going to be mostly sunny with a high of 36. Tonight, a slight chance of snow mixing with drizzle overnight, increasing clouds, and a low around 29. For Saturday, mostly sunny, high near 48. And Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 56. The current temperature in downtown Decatur is 23 degrees. Your WSOY time is 8.06. You know, we're the, uh, the hometown of the Chicago Bears. And since then, <laughs> it's been a bumpy ride. Uh, we're going to explain TIF districts to you, why they work, why they don't work, how we're doing it here, and why we should keep con- continuing with it next. Buyers and Company, WSOY, 1340 AM, 103.3 FM, streaming live at now there is a natural distrust uh, of government investment uh, in development, right? And there's plenty of reasons why. Just look at Soldier Field and what they still owe, even after paying in for 20 years, uh, and what is promised. And and people go, I don't want to be on, that shouldn't be our responsibility. Now the Bears want to get out of Soldier Field. They want to go to Arlington or whatever, build a new stadium. And that's got lawmakers scrambling all over, having conversations, trying to address that, but in the meanwhile, might impact everybody else. And then you throw in every conversation about government being involved in this, and it's all bad. That's not the case. TIF districts, when used properly, create a whole lot of economic development and, and a lot of private investment. And they run for a certain amount of time. And then when that time is done, then they start paying the taxes. And, and we've had, uh, uh, John will tell us, John Kinseth joins us, the uh, deputy uh, city manager for the city of Decatur, Illinois. Uh, good morning, first of all, and thank you for being here. And thank you for all of your assistance over the last 48 hours with resources uh, for these folks from, from Acorn who just got the shaft this week. Absolutely, Brian. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this is an important topic um, and certainly uh, pleased to be here to explain uh, TIF districts for our, our residents it, it, and our it, listeners. It gets complicated. I mean, but it really, if, if it's used properly, it's just, you know, everybody's competing for private dollars, you, you know, and people can say, well, you shouldn't put incentive in. Well, okay, then take a fork to a gunfight, you know, and see how it works out for you. The guy with the gun's going to get, you know, he's going to win the day. And so communities are competing. States are competing. Uh, we're competing with Bloomington, Champaign, Springfield, although that is changing a little bit in the economic development world and we're selling more of a region. But as these things move and go, you have to be at the table with some incentives. Uh, And it's easy to lump the conversation in here with everything else that goes on in Chicago, the state of Illinois. And that's unfair because we do it right here. I mean, by all accounts, 6-1 vote on the city council Monday night to send the message to Springfield, leave our TIF district alone. So there's some lawmakers that want to get the Bears deal done. And by doing that, they want to change some rules that might impact everybody. 
So without getting into that complication, let's just start with what a TIF district is. It stands for tax increment Finance. financing or finance. Yep. And give us the 101. And do it by using an example. What was the very first TIF district here in Decatur? Yeah, absolutely. And first I'll start by saying that a TIF district is one tool in the city's toolbox of economic development incentives or neighborhood revitalization tools. We have other examples in Decatur. We have opportunity zones. We have the Enterprise Zone and the TIF District is another example of that. Other communities have a downtown business district. Uh, all of them generally are, are uh, vehicles of which you can incentivize uh, private development, incentivize private investment through some uh, public investment. Obviously, the goal is always to minimize the amount of public investment to maximize the amount of private investment. So in Decatur, uh, we used to have seven TIF districts. The original one was created in 1997. That was the Southeast TIF. Uh, out on Mount Zion Road on the southern portion of uh, Mount Zion Road in Decatur. And that TIF district closed a couple of years ago. But essentially over the 20 the years, the 23 years life of the TIF district, uh, that TIF district created $3 million of new assessed value uh, that ultimately is captured now by all of the taxing bodies now that the TIF district has expired. And so the, the way that a TIF district essentially works is is that you designate an area and you establish the what the current assessed value of of all the properties within that TIF district and essentially that is becomes the the base or it becomes a frozen EAV uh ultimately over the 23 years there is usually some type of organic growth and there's a lot of of hopefully a lot of new development that creates new assessed value during the life of that 23 years that new value is captured and essentially reinvested into that TIF district to further incentivize more development. And so that's, that's in a, in a nutshell how the way that a TIF district works. What I want to make clear is, is that some people believe that TIF districts, you know, increase property taxes, uh, they, they, uh, increase values, uh, or they can decrease values. All of those are, are misnomers. The reality of it is, is that you're, you're taking the existing assessed value, you're freezing that. The taxing bodies don't get any reduction in taxes paid to them. They just don't get any increase. They don't get any increase for the, for the 23 years unless there is some other type of, of, of agreement in place. And then the city does have some examples of that in, in our TIF districts as well, where we do share some of that money back with the taxing bodies during the, the life of the TIF. Um, and so each TIF is, can be created slightly different. Uh, Decatur has a, a number of examples of TIF. We have two broad area TIFs is what I would call them, where uh, they cover a large swath of, of, of area. Uh, and then we have more single site uh, TIFs where it was two or three parcels of property that were uh, designated as a TIF district to incentivize a particular development. Okay, so if you're the developer, let's just use the, one of the later examples, and, and you want to come in and you want to build something, and I know that over 23 years, this is what my taxes are going to be. Right. And they're not going to go up. So I can. It, it makes the investment better for me on the front end to know what that looks like, and then after that time, my taxes are going to go up. Well, uh, let me... Let or, me. It's a little bit different than that. Okay. So, so your taxes will go up during the 23 years. In fact, that that growth is what we're hoping for because what happens is is that as the taxes go up, the increment, so the 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 amount of money that's shared to the other taxing body stays the same, but the increase in your taxes basically gets captured and stays within that TIF district. And when TIF districts are used correctly, it's reinvested in within that TIF, TIF district. So the developer will have tax increases over the 23 years. Their tax bill is not frozen. Uh, what's happening is is that that money that's the additional increment that's being paid is being captured and then ultimately reinvest, reinvested in that TIF district. So then what is the advantage for the developer? The advantage for the developer is typically they will ask for a redevelopment agreement and they will ask for some type of incentive and they will ask for a portion of that increment or for that increment to be used to cover public infrastructure that they would otherwise. So you got to run water sewer or something like that to water sewer sidewalks. Uh, it can be demolition of buildings. It can be rehabilitation of buildings. Um, it can be a, a number of permitted uses. All right. And then those specific areas, uh, you know, you know, I think about some of the redevelopment, what we used to call economic gardening, you know, like that a business would then create kind of a, a you know, we look at, I guess, ADM and Nova Feed might be your biggest example of, you know, landing one big thing because the other thing's already here. I mean, is, it, is that kind of a microcosm of what you're looking at in certain areas? Like that if this developer comes in and build, it's going to spur other people to do similar things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And those could be different reasons. Right. Right. Uh, you know, I think the best way to to uh, to implement and apply a TIF is a TIF district 
typically should have some development in mind that that is coming, but for some type of incentive, that development won't happen. And so the implementation of a TIF district allows for the city to create an incentive for that developer that doesn't come at an expense to the, ta- the existing tax uh, taxpayers, doesn't come at, at an expense to the existing taxing bodies. Nobody gets a, re- a, a reduction in the amount of revenue so that they get. If it's indicated the public schools are going to get what they were going to get. Correct. Or the park district or whatever it might be. Right. And and so a, an appropriate TIF would then be, would allow for the development to basically spread some of that of that new growth into the adjoining neighborhood. So let's take for an example, uh, the city has a TIF district out on Oakland and Grand Avenue, and that's what created the county market and the save a lot there. And so a, a TIF district that, that, uh, a private developer, when they came and they rebuilt that, that corner, that intersection, it, it looks nice. It's much better than what was there previously. A good TIF will allow for the city to take the money that was ultimately generated from that new development and spread it into the neighborhood. So into the Fairlawn neighborhood where we can, you know, add sidewalks, we can extend some of that landscaping, some of the the uh, higher quality of life uh, amenities that were built on the development into the adjoining neighborhood. All right. So is there an overall number for what this has meant for, you know, Decatur over the last, well, I think you said the first one was 1997. I mean, do we have like a ballpark figure of what that's meant by having these in place or being able to implement these in total dollars? You mean development how, dollars? Right, right. So I, I don't know that I have the aggregate for, for all of the TIP districts across the city, but if we if we focus on one, for an example, that original one that you mentioned in 1997, the Southeast Plaza TIF, that's the area out there by the Hawthorne Suites, the Monocle, Steak and Shake. So, but for the TIF, many of those developments that are there today would not be there. Uh, over the life of the 23 years, there was $3 million of new assessed value that was essentially created there. When it, and $3 million sounds low, but $3 million is, is assessed value, which really means that there was at least $9 million invested, private dollars invested into that development that gr- ultimately grew the assessed value. And, 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 in Illinois, uh, an assessed value, the difference between fair market value and assessed value in 101 of the counties other than Cook County is basically one-third. And so the when we, we always talk about an EAV because that's the taxable value. The taxable value is a third of, of essentially fair market value. Uh, okay, so John, the, John, you're, you're, you're losing, losing me and, and 90% <laughs> of the audience. Uh, no, I, I, I think that the assessed value is, is the world you live in. Right. To me, most people can understand the money that's invested in development. Right. So, uh, you're talking about we create this in over 23 years, there's $9 million in private investment, uh, right. you know, in that area. And I can go to Steak and Shake, uh, you know, or the, or Monocles or whatever. Uh, the Old Town, uh, TIF, I remember when that was sort of put through and, and Bill Eichenauer and a lot of the West End guys over there, uh, you think about what the West, you know, the Millican area looked like 25 years ago versus what it looks like today. Right. So the old, yes, the old town tip. And it comes all the way down here. Yeah. I the, didn't realize that. Yeah. The old town tip, I think, is a good example of, of, you know, all of the landscaping, the streetscaping, the bricks, the lighting, you know, in the downtown area. That was ultimately, uh, possible because of the, the tip district and, and, you know, the brick road that runs up, up Main Street, West Main, you know, all of that is because of the tiff. Uh, was implemented and, and the increment that was generated over the last 23 years, that TIF expires here in a couple of months. All of that, uh, public infrastructure was ultimately possible because of the, the TIF district. Otherwise, it would have required a, a, uh, broader property tax increase to ultimately invest in that specific area. That never happened because we had the TIF. Okay. So now to put that into today's news, the council voted 6-1, right? To right. send a, and, and that's really all they're doing. I think there's been 103 municipalities or somewhere in that ballpark that have done this, uh, sent the message to Springfield that, Hey, some of this legislation you're talking about is bad for us. Uh, we're not abusing TIFs. We're doing it the right way. Don't let this whole Chicago Bears conversation turn into something that impacts everything. Everybody in a negative way. Right. Absolutely. I, I think that ironically, that same state senator that has for the last few years uh, proposed gutting the the original TIF statute uh, statewide, you know, she's seeking a property tax incentive for the Bears deal to move to Arlington Heights. At the same time, she's basically trying to uh, essentially eliminate TIFs and what their original intent is for. And so it's an example of where, you know, one community, you know, Chicago in this particular circumstance, you know, has had some bad uh, TIF incentives provided 
provided to to developers. Uh, you mentioned the Bears and the Soldier Field. Uh, you know those types of things that ultimately they want to penalize the entire state, um, and it impacts communities like Decatur that are using them correctly. Yeah, and I think Mount Zion has also passed. You know, there's several, like I, I believe over a hundred uh, communities that are doing this and using this because if you don't have this tool, I, I mean, you know, people. I, I don't understand why people. Um, can't understand the competition of economic development, meaning that you have people that may not even look at us at all because we're in the state of Illinois. Mm-hmm. But you may have people that will go, okay, Illinois, but what can I do Champaign versus Decatur or Bloomington versus Decatur or what, do I want to be up north uh, or do I want to go to Indiana because I think this about you, – you have to have these tools, right? Or you can't – you're not in the game. Absolutely. And, and Nicole at the EDC can tell you that it's a very competitive market out there. We are constantly competing against other municipalities – whether they're here in central Illinois, whether they're in the broader Illinois region, whether they're even outside of Illinois. Like you said, Illinois has its disadvantages that we have to compete with, and sometimes that requires having some of these uh, economic development tools, with Opportunity Zone, uh, Enterprise Zone, TIF districts, et cetera. And I assume your office uh, and, and, and the people that are working in D.C. on the city's behalf uh, and Nicole, you know, which is two different missions, by the way. It's not kind of like repetitive stuff. I mean, you guys are working right. in different areas that there are hundreds of conversations that take place that we'll never know about because it never got past point B if you don't have the checklist they're looking for. Right. Right. A lot of developers, that's one of the questions that they ask. Is this in a TIF district? Is this in an enterprise zone? Is this in an opportunity zone? You know, what other incentives can the city or the county provide to us uh, in order to incentivize us to come there? Um, you know, the good news is, is we have other uh, economic advantages indicator outside of these tools. You know, we have an industrial infrastructure that, that you know, puts us ahead of so many other places. We have a, a good, uh, abundant water supply. Uh, you know, we have other things in addition to these uh, economic development tools that also gives Decatur a competitive edge, um, unlike you know, so many other uh, industrial places around the country. All right. And our workforce. Can't forget our workforce. Well, know. that's exactly right. And and it, we, we've obviously, uh, talking about a workforce, clearly, um, you know, we had the mayor on yesterday, uh, and you know, it is so unusual, right, for something like that to happen without any sort of notification, you know, with what happened with ACORN this week. And, and I mean, I think the mayor finally got an email from somebody with ACORN at like 7 o'clock that night, which is just insane. Uh, and now, good news is the community stepped up in a gazillion ways, and there's all kinds of job fairs. Millican was packed yesterday. ADM told us this morning they're going to be at Workforce Investment Solutions Tuesday, that they will be hiring people Tuesday. I mean, that show up. If you don't have a resume, you know, that just sit down and talk to them. I you know, making resources on the Illinois Department of Corrections is having uh, one on Tuesday on the campus of Richland Community College. Um, it, you know, it, we've we've got all these resources, and you see it come together because it's a small enough town that everybody still knows everybody and can make stuff happen quickly, right? Absolutely. You know, that it's such an impactful uh, thing that happened this week with ACORN. It, you know, it has a ripple effect throughout the entire economy. Um, you know, no no employee deserves to be treated that way. No one does. Uh, you know, and, and, and so it's a terrible thing. And, and certainly our attention now, you know, and, and all the partners that you mentioned uh, coming together, you know, I think that COVID really built us for this moment, if I can say it that way. We, we have the infrastructure in place to help people retool, retrain, find new jobs, um, and, it's, and it's a good time, uh, you know, as a community uh, to, to, if there ever is a good time, uh, to have to deal with this type of circumstance. Our attention, obviously, now is to get the resources to the people that are, are directly impacted, um, but it will have a, a, a ripple effect throughout the economy. You know, the, not only did employees lose their jobs, you know, but there's also a lot of businesses here in town that provided services to ACORN, and, and you know, what's going to happen with the bankruptcy? Are they going to get paid for the bills that they were owed, and, and what's that, what does that mean for their employees when they've now taken it on the chin because, you know, ACORN decided to skirt their the, obligations? The ripple effect is is amazing. We had a, a principal in, you know, that she found out, you know, that day by a text one of her students got from their mom that she'd just been fired. You know, and then you think about the kids in the schools, the stress, you know, it, it's it's all encompassing. But people are stepping up. We, hopefully we make it as, as, you know, as less bumpy as possible and we're able to put, because we have somewhere between 12 and 15 hundred jobs right now right. available in this community uh five years ago ten years ago that wouldn't have been the case and we'd be talking about a whole different scenario what happens in the and, and i know I, I this is off the cuff and i've i've had several people mention the building you know that there was just 25 million dollars put into that building in 2018 what happens with that sitting in the middle of our community in this sort of bankruptcy thing 
Right. So, I mean, I think the good news is, is that there was so much money invested into that building and, and into that facility. It is a, it's a nice facility and it sits in an, in a, it's one of the, the, the most attractive, uh, buildings, if I can say it that way, in that particular neighborhood. It's an anchor. It's an anchor institution in that, in that neighborhood. And so, I think that's that's helpful that that that's going to allow for somebody's going to come and buy that. You know, the, the advantage of the of the bankrupt of the Chapter Seven is is that you know we should see movement faster uh, than than when they were stuck in the 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 Chapter Eleven uh, for the last few years. Chapter Seven means that it'll be it'll be sold in an auction, uh, and ultimately at some point, you know, there's going to be somebody that buys that and ultimately puts it back into service, likely for the same purpose because it is a very uh, specific uh, use building, um, and so that there's an opportunity there, you know. And what what I can say about the the larger Acorn situation, you know, I, I think it is it doesn't help entirely those impacted here in Decatur, but to see that it was a across the country, they closed all of their facilities. It was not just closing the Decatur facility. We're not the only ones taking it on the chin here. This is something that that it's not a reflection of the city of Decatur. It's a reflection of a failing company. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and ultimately, you know, there's been a lot of positive developments that that have been announced indicator over the last couple of years we've you know in addition to the jobs that we already have you know we we've talked about another 800 jobs that are coming with with Innova feed with LG with ADM's expansion and there's more that uh, that'll be coming in, in the coming months, and so a lot of lot of jobs, a lot of opportunities, and and you know how do we help the people uh, that were impacted today and, and yesterday, Wednesday, and and move them into uh, you know other to fill the roles that we have today um, for whatever that comes in the future. All right, John, we appreciate it. Thank you for being here today. Absolutely, thank Very you. Enlightening. All right, uh, we're gonna take a commercial break here, Nick. Uh, just skip through the weather. At the bottom of the hour, uh, we're gonna have uh, uh, Illinois State Comptroller Susanna Mendoza with us. Another credit upgrade. Yesterday, uh, which helps in all these conversations about the state of Illinois. We'll do that after the break. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Amy from Gustafson and Associates. These days, changes to the tax laws happen fast and with little guidance. If you have questions about child tax credits, solar energy or electric vehicle credits, or taxation of your retirement benefits, you can trust the experts at Gustafson and Associates to answer your questions and prepare an accurate tax return. When you want to save time, money, and headaches, trust Gustafson and Associates to give you a hand. With our skill and knowledge of the latest tax laws, our experienced accountants will help you claim the deductions you are entitled to and make sure you get the biggest refund possible. Call 875-2500 and have the same person take care of your taxes every year. Someone you know and trust. Someone who is there to answer your questions all year long. Get the professionals who deliver personal service. Gustafson and Associates, 875-2500, located at 1525 East Hubbard Avenue Indicator on the corner of Woodford and Hubbard, directly across from Staley Credit Union. Did you know the average age of vehicles on the road right now are 12 years old? Most manufacturers recommend antifreeze coolant exchanges every 10 years. Number one roadside breakdowns is cooling system failure, but Speed Lube has you covered. They offer a two-part complete coolant system fluid exchange for $79.95, and it lubricates the water pump seals and has an anti-corrosion additive. Don't find yourself on the side of the road this winter. Visit one of Speed Lube's six Decatur locations or in Lincoln or Clinton. Get your coolant system checked today at Speed Lube. John, the price of groceries is enough to send somebody into a panic mode these days. Yeah, especially when the refrigerator goes kaput. Even more so. We got a call from a customer who had that problem with a freezer load of those expensive groceries. And that'll keep you awake at night just thinking about it. Right. So because Dick Van Dyke stocks the 100 most used parts, we were able to send a factory-trained tech out to her place to fix the problem before she lost any of that food. And he wasn't some subcontractor either. Trained right here locally by the team of Dick Van Dyke. You know, one way to fight inflation? Yep. Keep from having to buy expensive stuff twice. Yes, you got that right. This is Dennis Regan, chairman of Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. When you buy from us, you get the whole store, which means you have the comfort of knowing that if anything goes wrong, we'll make it right. Wow! When you buy from us, you get the whole store. 
Finding yourself suddenly unemployed can be a life-changing event, but Now Decatur and our community partners are here to help. Now Decatur is offering a resource page for Decatur and Macon residents that includes unemployment information, immediate job listings, retraining opportunities, social and emotional resources, and more. The goal is to help you navigate through an event and period that can be emotionally, mentally, and financially stressful for you and your loved ones. Go to NowDecatur.com for the Employment and Retraining Opportunities resource page. Looking to fall in love with your new home? Eagle Ridge, your affordable, assisted lifestyle community, is newly renovated and ready for you. You can count on them to provide home-cooked meals, small group activities, and visitations with family and friends. They are currently accepting move-ins, and there is no better time than to call them right now. Stop by 875 West McKinley or call 217-872-1282. That's 872-1282. They are an equal housing opportunity lender. Don't miss your chance to cheer on Fighting Illini basketball this season. Deafening in here. 15,000, another sellout. We need all of Illini Nation to help us defend State Farm Center. Great seat locations are still available for you to see Illinois basketball live this season. And the celebration is on! Get your tickets today at FightingIllini.com. You're listening to Buyers and Company, streaming live at NowDecatur.com. We are back here on a uh, Friday. Good morning and welcome. It has been a very, very busy week, and uh, we wanted to take a few minutes to visit with the uh, comptroller of Illinois, uh, Suzanne Mendoza, uh, who joins us uh, this morning. I-, I know you got a busy day ahead. We appreciate you spending a few minutes with us today. I'd like to ask you first about uh, another credit rating upgrade. You know, for years we were heading in the absolute wrong direction. It seems like now uh, there's good news after good news. What does this mean for the folks of Illinois? Oh, my goodness. I am so excited. Good morning. Um, it means that whenever the state of Illinois has to access uh, capital or money in the marketplace, that it will cost us less to do so. So this will save every time we see a credit upgrade, it saves hundreds of millions, if not actually billions of dollars in additional cost to taxpayers. Things like roads and bridges, you know, those are things that we need to go to the market for uh, to borrow money. And just like a person at home, when they go to purchase a car, if they have good credit, they might, back in the old days, right, we'd pay 0% interest. I think today the best you can get is 3 But if you have bad credit, you might be paying 15 or 20% interest on the vehicle. So um, this is the difference between having good credit and bad credit. And so we want to keep seeing those credit upgrades. And I'm so proud that we've had seven on my watch. And we're going to keep getting more. Yeah, you know, I know it's easy. It is really easy to talk about Illinois and the financial troubles and, oh, it's not business friendly. And, and we did. We dropped quite a bit. If you go back to the days of, of Thompson through, uh, you know, Edgar to George Ryan and then really taking a dip during Blagojevich and, 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 and mm-hmm. Pat Quinn. But uh, to you and to our current governor, J.B. Pritzker, it, you know, we are on the upswing. And if you just look at, at the historical context of, of charting it that way, it's been a couple of good years. Yes, it has. It's been a couple of fantastic years. And really, you know, when I first took office, which was two years before Governor Pritzker, um, that's when the state was at its absolute worst point, right? We had a backlog of almost $16.7 billion of unpaid bills. Today, that backlog has been fully paid down. We don't, we don't have a backlog. We have a working accounts payable of under, well under $3 billion, which is the normal cost of doing business in Illinois or running government. Um, and I paid that backlog down um, well before even getting a penny of the federal stimulus dollars into the state of Illinois. So this has been happening since that first year that I took office. I'd already cut about $9 billion off of the bill backlog, and we had been moving the state in the right direction. And I have a governor who works with me instead of against me, and that's helpful. Um, and so we're we're doing our job, and this is good for Illinois taxpayers. We also have a rainy day fund now of over a billion dollars, which is the highest it's ever been. When I first took office, we had less than $60,000 in that rainy day fund. And I had an almost $17 billion backlog of unpaid bills, um, which that does absolutely nothing to help pay down. So we've come a long way. The credit rating agencies have acknowledged that. And the transparency that my office has done, I think, has also been instrumental in helping get those credit upgrades. And and like I said, we're just getting started. There are more to come. 
Well, clearly the voters agreed with you, uh, you're getting almost 60%, uh, and we're very happy about that. I have to ask about your brother. Last time we visited, uh, you shared with me uh, that he is a long uh, COVID sufferer and has had uh, several strokes. Police officer who got this on duty. What I, I, I just, I do not understand, and I'm not, I don't want you to have to get into a political argument here with Mayor Lightfoot, but, but why in the world would we not be treating this disability the same as every other disability? Yeah, that makes no sense to me. It absolutely should. I think it's it's just horrible and tragic that it's not treated that way. And for your listeners, just so they understand what the issue at play here is, I mean, it's not political. It's just an issue of, of common decency. Um, today, if a police officer in the city of Chicago, and, and by the way, this is specific to Chicago because no other municipality in the state uh, disrespects, disrespects their officers this way. It's only the city of Chicago. And so um, in the city of Chicago, if a police officer dies um, or died during the months of uh, March 9th of 2020, which is when the official lockdown happened and the executive order took place for COVID, um, that, those were really, really the early stages of it, through June 30th of 2021, which is when vaccines were finally available and everybody had had an opportunity to take one, right? Prior to that, there were no vaccines uh, and, for example, if a police officer died in Illinois during that period of time, which is when they were least protected and the virus was at its worst, and were, there weren't even therapeutics available, right? If an officer in Chicago died, he was given a presumption, a rebuttable presumption, in other words, think of it as the benefit of the doubt, that that officer contracted COVID while in the performance of an official act of duty. So if you die from it, your family would get death benefits. But if you don't die from it, you get nothing. And so it's absolutely insane, makes no sense. And an officer should not have to die in the city of Chicago to be given their benefits. Now, my brother is one of 18 to 20 others that are in a pipeline, but he was the first case. He was a test case to go before the city of Chicago's pension fund. After getting sick from after working 17 days straight with no days off, extended hours during the thickest part of the pandemic in November of 2020, well before vaccines were available. And um, he fell sick with COVID on his birthday, as a matter of fact, and spent 72 days hospitalized, lost both his kidneys, had five strokes. And when he went to go before the uh, disability, um, the pension fund for his disability, which of course he's completely disabled now as a result of of COVID on the job, um, the pension fund doctor gave a report that 100% acknowledged that my brother was totally disabled and likely caught COVID while on the job. But the pension fund nonetheless ignored the doctor's recommendation, and that's their own doctor's recommendation, and voted to not grant duty disability benefits to my brother because he could not prove which specific act of duty as a police officer is the one that led him to catch COVID. Now, that's an impossible standard of proof, not just for my brother, but for any officer who caught COVID during that period of time. And um, it is so unfair that they're essentially saying that the only way an officer can get benefits in the city is if they die. And that's not right. So that's what I'm trying to fight against. I've introduced legislation through uh, Representative Jay Hoffman and Senator Bill Cunningham in Springfield that would treat um, disabled officers during that same period of time uh, in the same way that we would treat dead officers, and that is that um, if they die, they get duty death benefits, and if they survive but are forever disabled, they will be getting their rightfully owed um, duty disability benefits. Well, I, I hope you win that fight for not only just your brother, but for every other law enforcement officer that had to keep doing their job. There was no choice as essential workers. Listen, exactly. uh, I, I hope he's doing okay. Uh, our best to him. Keep up the great work, and uh, uh, we really appreciate you spending a few minutes with us today. Oh, thank you. Can I say one more thing? Sure. Because it's actually really good news and, and like a happy story, like a sad story with my brother. But right there in Decatur, uh, yesterday we had a, a ceremony where we honored um, African-American leaders and people who really contributed a lot, uh, considering that it's uh, Black History Month here in the nation and also here in Illinois, and we're celebrating it. And you have one of your own that was um, celebrated by my office yesterday, and that's Preston Jackson. He's a sculptor, an art educator, and gallery owner. Um, his gallery is called the Sideview Gallery. But 
He's got work that is um, on display there in Decatur. He was born in Decatur, and there's a park actually in Decatur that's named after him, the Preston Jackson Park, where the, some of his works are on display. He's a sculptor and a painter and just an incredible, incredible individual. So I thought it was just fun little factoid to let you know that one of your own was recognized yesterday as um, a really, really a great contribution to Illinois. Yep, he's a world-class sculptor. In fact, I can look out my window from our sixth-floor studios and look at uh, Preston Jackson Park uh, and his work. So next time you're here, come by and visit us in person. We appreciate it. You got it. Thanks so much for having me, and have a great morning. All right. You as well. That's uh, Illinois Comptroller Susanna Mendoza, uh, who's really, I, you know, there will people be people that will shake their head. But I'm telling you, you're not going to get back up to where we were with Jim Thompson overnight. But since then, it, the trajectory has gone down. It's gone down. It has bottomed out. And that happened, certainly, uh, started to happen during Governor Edgar it you know continued under Governor Ryan. It continued under Governor Blagojevich. It continued under uh, uh, Governor Rauner and Governor Quinn. And since then, the line is going straight back up. It's nowhere near where it was at Jen Thompson's level. But you can't go. You can't take thirty-five years and turn it around in six. All you can do is, is is the trajectory going the right way, and it certainly is. Yeah, but but people will say, well, sh- historically, look, okay, but historically, what was it five years ago, right? Versus today, because you're not going to get thirty five years of bad decisions corrected in a term, right? And and the 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 people that are the financial institutions that issue the credit ratings and whatnot, they're not interested in in anything other than where you're at and what is the prospect of getting our money back. And, That's exactly right. But yeah. to get seven seven upgrades is a lot to accomplish. And now you just got to keep make sure you keep going in that direction. And that's what people are legitimately fearful when you put a budget out with a bunch of new programs and stuff. Are you going to get yourself right back into the same situation? I'm not saying it's perfect. But this all, I mean, it, 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 all you get from the politicians today, and, and, and when I say, I mean, like our state reps, our state senators, our Congress, it, it, you know, I mean, still crickets on Congressman Miller, Representative Cock. I've not seen one thing. They're out worried about guns and drag shows when people are trying to figure out how they're going to have insurance next week. And it's why they can't get any power to do anything, and it's they don't have an ability to do anything. So when you have something happen where you really need some help, it is so obvious. But what I'm saying is they'll play games with this. They they won't even go, hey, that's that's the right direction. And as John pointed out, from the city of Decatur's point of view, you know, I guarantee you eventually this whole acorn thing will be blamed on J.B. Pritzker by someone. Probably already has. <laughs> so how are we getting anything done if you can't even agree that there's been movement in a positive direction or that when we get an upgrade, another credit rating upgrade, that's good. There's no debating that. Yeah, that's positive. And uh, you had... Uh, I, I, didn't their office just give Dale Coley an award? Yeah. That's what I thought. I should have asked about that. Dang it. She was on a limited time crunch. And, and I, I literally booked it yesterday. It wasn't like we gave her a lot of time. But she's, I think she's great. And, and she's always a fun interview, but, but more importantly, I mean, I, I just, you know, I'll send you this Hannah Meisel, you, you know, this, what I'm looking at on Capital Facts with like the, the, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can't go 35 years down. Right. And then start to sharply go up and expect you're going to make up 35 years in four years. Yeah, it's it's stairs. It's not an elevator. Right. But the stairs are going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And if we could at least just acknowledge that. But we can't even agree on math. While we're yelling about math scores. That's encouraging. Yep. It's been a week. Yeah. And that's just, I can't even imagine how tough the week has been for so many. But the good news is it's like, wow, there are lots and lots of people in this community 
that, that this community, that life, the ups, the downs, the hard, the it's it's not social media. You know, right. When it's time to help and and it, when you're uh, as a community just sickened by the action of, of some company that just doesn't care about human beings. Have they taken their website down yet? I don't know. You know, when I was walking around at Milliken at the jobs fair yesterday, I saw little clusters of people that one would come to a group of like three or four and say, Hey, I just talked to this employer. You'd be, I mean, I was just overhearing. You'd be great for that. You should go talk to them. This is right up your alley. Or, Hey, why don't, uh, you know, some of the employers would come over and say, Hey, you know, sorry to hear about it. Why don't you guys come talk to us? Let us tell you what you're all about. And it was all businesses, great and small. It was military was even there to recruit. I mean, all hands on deck trying to kind of help people land. Uh, it, it, it was, it was pretty positive in a pretty sad, you know, situation, but and what else can you do? But pick yourself up and go. Yeah. But, but what's been so gratifying just from a community point of view is watching so many people on so many levels try to do something. Right. I mean, from the free haircut to the, can we bring you food to, can we help you put a resume? Uh, hey, don't even worry about all that. We're going to be sitting here at workforce next Tuesday. Just come talk to us face to face and we will be hiring. Yeah. I even saw discounts on, uh, on drinks downstairs in the lobby at that place for people, you know, just, Hey, get, get what you need. I've got you. You know, it was pretty nice. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, I got, man, listen, <laughs> phone's blowing up. Have to be. There's I, a lot going on right I, now. I know, but when you, here's the thing, though. This is the hardest thing today because there's so many ways to communicate. But when something blows up like this, it's almost like too much to manage. What, just too many things to check. Right, yeah. Like I got home last night. I'm like, oh, my God, there's like eight Facebook messages I didn't even see. Yeah. Thankfully, none of them were like like important information that need to be disseminated. Right. What was that golfer's name? Um, oh man, Domin, that, uh, that made it to almost won his first major, the, the goofy guy that was self-deprecating in full swing. And his caddy said, you know, cause they were in first place going into the final day and he had like 1200 or 1500 unread text messages. You know, it's like when something happens and it happens at such a, a clip and a rate that is almost just overwhelming. Yeah. And I think I may have sent a picture to the wrong people. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, yes, I do have that, Lindsay, and I will be sending. Um, it's, it's overwhelming, but overwhelming in a good way. Right. Just as it is overwhelming in a bad way about what happened to these people, it, it has been truly uplifting to see the people put their own selves aside to be of service to other people. Because there are days when you think that's gone. There are times and there's behaviors that you think, man, does anybody care about anybody? And then something like that happens. And I would, I, I'd rather not have it happen. But to see that was confirming, reconfirming to me about this community. So we'll take the break. Back with more right after this. In 1965, my father founded Brinkotter Realtors with a singular goal, to support his community's real estate needs with integrity, purpose, and a forward-facing approach to business. Over 55 years later, Brinkotter Realtors still embodies that spirit. Connection, commitment, community. When you're planning to make a move, go with the name you know. Get the service you deserve. Go to Brinkotter.com to connect with one of our agents today. Find your way home. Brinkotter.com. The Housing Authority of Champaign County is announcing the first-time landlord lease-up incentive. HACC will offer a $500 incentive to new landlords who lease to a voucher holder. New landlords are eligible for up to five units for a total of a $2,500 incentive. Have you been inactive with the HACC and HCV programs for more than three years? Then you're eligible for this great incentive, too. Contact the HACC today at 217-378-7100 to learn more about this program. Or just stop by 2008 North Market in Champaign. You're listening to Buyers and Company, streaming live at NowDecatur.com.
we're back here on a Friday, and uh, what a week it has been. Uh, once again, uh, we're running commercials, and there's some digital stuff going out to get in front of people about this. Uh, the page that we have created along with all of our partners with Crossing and the Community Foundation, the United Way, and working with all the major employers. But it's really, um, if you know someone, you know, maybe they don't know about it. You know, please, it's out on LinkedIn. It's on social media. Uh, but literally, uh, there's employment and retraining opportunities and assistance and a category by category by category, just a one-stop shop. Uh, and, and it's not like to a page. I mean, we're sending you to the actual link that you need. Right. Sometimes buried seven, eight pages deep, right? Depending mm-hmm. on what kind of service you're looking at. So that's, and then there's literally all the information about these job, uh, affairs that are popping up, you know, what workforce investment solutions, social services, career fairs, as I mentioned, uh, mental health support, employee, employers that are hiring right now, uh, private health insurance, the exchange, you know, what happens if you don't qualify for either, uh, all of that information is there. And I would just, Highly encourage you, uh, if you know someone that's been impacted by this, uh, get that information to them. And then you also don't have to keep going back to 25 different pages to find what you're looking for. This is something we learned in COVID. And, you, you know, uh, I, I think all too often people, sometimes the people who give the benefits aren't very good at the marketing. Right. And there's a lot of layers you know, and then particularly when you talk about dealing with government or that kind of thing, it's always, and that's not a criticism. It's just, it's not what they do. Right. And so you'll get these big beefy websites that are really hard to kind of get pinpoint right into where you're trying to find. And then you take that times 10. Right. And that's part of the overwhelming feeling. Right. You know, and and there are probably some people that go, well, I have some savings. You know, I've worked here a long time. I've still got money coming in and stuff. But what is going to happen with the snap of a finger? You know, your insurance goes away and things like that. And there are some programs where, uh, you know, the change of circumstance gets you right and makes you eligible for things prior to maybe you even thought you would be. So, you know, refer to some of those resources and, and see where you can get help where you need it. Absolutely. So, uh podcast today, and there's going to be a ton of them uh, because we had a very busy show. Uh, we visited with Memorial Health and ADM and Premiant about job availability. Uh, we talked to the Deputy City Manager, John Kenseth, about TIF districts and the city's involvement. Uh, Topper, of course, we had our education spotlight, uh, the newly expanded uh, uh, dentist school, you know, with the two new campus, well, a new campus former French school and the former dentist school now kind of in one body. That was fun. Uh, what else did we do? Uh, oh, the Comptroller, Susanna Mendoza. All those podcasts, if you didn't get it live, available at notacator.com or wherever you get your podcast. All right. I, I London is a city I've never actually visited. That's on my list. I had plans to go there, and then uh, last minute had to change, but same. I've not been there yet. All right, well, I'm going to give you another reason to go, and you might want to wait until 2025. Okay. There is something called the Victoria and Albert Museum in London. Are you mm-hmm. familiar with this? Yeah. You are? Yep. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, then what? It, can you tell me what it nope. is? Okay. Let's <laughs> see, I hate when you offer that little ray of light and then close the door. I thought maybe you had some context of the museum. I don't know it at all. No, it's one of those that I'll need the little crumb to, to be able to go further on. But, yeah, I'd, I'd heard of it and probably studied it, to be honest with you. But I don't. I can't differentiate what it has. So apologize. No, no, I should always apologize. I, just, I, like, yeah, I should have probably like, no, I've never heard of it. Yeah, that would have been a better answer than yeah. I would have been busy typing into Google. <laughs> instead of you giving me a I little bit of hope. I should have just taken one on the chin. But. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the Family of Art, Design, and Performance Museum. So evidently kind of like the Smithsonian, there may be more than one mm. property. So, but here's the, the kicker. Here's what okay. interested me. Uh, there are... 80,000 David Bowie items that will become its own thing in 2025. Oh, wow. 80,000. And it's everything. Do you remember the iconic, you know, costumes of the Ziggy Stardust sort of, uh, you remember the striped bodysuit, you know, um, you know, that thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, His own personal art sketches and paintings and lyrics. Uh, but, but his like unbelievable career will now have sort of a permanent place for you to consume. That's awesome. 
Yeah, obviously with his estate, I'm I'm sure for for that wealth of uh, of for items to get eighty thousand. Yeah. yeah, I would imagine so. Wow. Uh, I'm you know heading to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame soon, and I can't wait to see it. And and I really, to be honest with you, don't know what to expect. Yeah, I don't either. I've never been there, and I really, really want to go. I really do. But I think uh, I'm putting London on my 2025 list. Nice. I mean, for a lot of reasons, but they just added a big one right there. Yeah, I would say, you know, to see something that's comprehensive and not just, oh, here's a microphone. It's like you see that and it's cool. But to see, like, I remember seeing that on TV or, you know, all those different things in context to your life. Right. Yeah, it it changes it. So we were at the EMP a few years ago in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of those museums will have, I'm assuming 80,000 is permanent. Right. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. You, you know, mm-hmm. but a lot of them have, you know, exhibits that come and go. Of and course. we were there at the time that they had a whole exhibit, uh, literally just about exile on Main Street, the Rolling Stone, uh, uh, album and all of the handwritten papers and lyrics. And like, I mean, to be able to see that creative process, like in person. Oh, it's, it, it'll change your mind. It's, it's just crazy. I saw Salvador Dali's handwritten notes. Yeah. That he wrote about all his peers and gave them grades. Yeah. It's like, wow, where was your head at for that? Uh-huh. Right. And then you look at his art and you know, well, <laughs> you know exactly. The art, the behavior, there's a, everything. There's a lot there for sure. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. And so I saw this boy thing. I'm like, okay, we're going to figure out a way to get to London once this thing opens. Wow. That sounds really cool. Yeah. 80,000. I mean, can you imagine having 80,000 items directly related to your career? That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about like matchbooks and pencil. I mean, like you're, I'm still though. I mean, you could get up to almost an an endless list at 10,000. Right. And now you got 70 more to go. Wow. That would be something impressive to see the scope of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, can you imagine? Now, David Bowie had a very long career, died too young, but had a very lengthy career through a lot of phases, probably more so than I'm going to have as a radio show host or you're going to have as a teacher or whatever. But that is a lot of accumulation. Like, I'm assuming there's just warehouses or, like, storage units. I mean, you can't have, like, just 80,000 things in your house. Yeah, you know, the only thing that I've ever heard that's even close to that is uh, Howard Stern talks about the collection that his staff has kept over the 40 or whatever years and they're warehoused, you know, yeah, the books that people bring in the shirt from this gag, this microphone from there. I'm assuming that some something like the Rolling Stones, Paul McCartney, Tom Petty lost a lot of his stuff in the 80s when when an arsonist burned his house to the ground, you know, that can't retrieve. Uh, but I'm assuming that, you know, people who have been around for 30, 40, 50 years mm-hmm. have amassed quite a bit. Especially Gene the, Simmons has one of the biggest collections in the history of anything. When, yeah. And when you're well aware of, of the magic of what's actually happening, especially towards the middle or tail end, you're starting to preserve everything because it, it, it's culturally important. Yeah. So, but, but for Simmons, it was about the money because they did all that merchandising. So he may have way more than 80,000 because of all the deals. Like there wasn't a lot of David Bowie dolls. Right. That's a good point. It's probably a lot of textiles and just everyday items, yeah, I'd imagine. I would think so. Whereas like Kiss would be like, just here's the lunchbox. Here's the comic book. Here's the 27 uh, editions of the dolls. Here's the, you know, whatever it might be, the makeup kit. Right. But have you seen pictures of that? Like his own personal collection? No, I haven't. Because he's got... Oh, Gene Simmons? Yeah, yeah. He's got like one of everything they ever did. Wow, that's pretty cool. And it's like, if you see the photos of it, I mean, it's like like these rooms were built just to hold all of it. Yeah, it almost have to be. All right, there you have it. Uh, What's coming up this weekend? Well, we have quite a bit. Milliken, get out and cheer the team on, right? Yeah. They got to win tonight to play on... They play again Saturday or Sunday? That I don't know. It's on their website, I'm sure, uh, at milliken.edu. But get out and support the team, and uh, let's hope for a couple of wins, and then we'll find out what's going to happen in the big tournament, right? Right. Uh, Which will be fun to track them. But they just seem like they got something special this year. Always good. Uh, It'll be like really something special. Enjoyed getting to meet the coach this year and have her on the air with us, but uh, good luck to them this weekend for sure. Uh, And to everyone else, uh, keep uh, we'll keep updating as stuff comes to us. Like we go away at 9 o'clock on Friday and don't come back until 6 Monday. So if you want to keep checking back the resource page, if there's anything new to add, we will add it from 10 o'clock at night to 5.30 in the morning. It's just 
whenever it comes in. All right, that's it for us. Thanks to all of the uh, folks who have worked so hard putting together these impromptu job fairs, what Milliken did with theirs yesterday, and everybody that's done anything from an encouraging word to a free haircut. Proud of you, stepping up for your fellow citizens. We'll be back with you bright and early Monday morning. Have a great weekend. We'll see you then. WSOY Decatur and W277DB Decatur. WSOY, 1340 AM and 103.3 FM. Streaming live at NowDecatur.com. This is RJ Crace with your stories now. Decatur will once again bring the community together for a discussion on restorative justice and work on an action plan to create a better community during the Peace Summit Cafe. It's tomorrow at the Salvation Army from 9 to noon. The event will be hosted by Milliken's Criminal Justice Department and local nonprofit, Walk It Like We Talk It. It's free and open to the public. Young Leaders in Action is accepting applications until February 28th for nonprofits, organizations, churches, and schools aiming to improve the mental health of Macon County youth. To apply, visit their Facebook page or the Community Foundation of Macon County's website. To qualify, a group or organization must have a project. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.